Thanksgiving. Uh, should get my uh, laptop ready. Um, it's so good to be here. It's so good to see you. I know it's Thanksgiving and it's easy to take it off easy, it's, but you've made time to be here to worship the Lord and I'm so excited. I have some good news. I have some good news to share with you. And uh, I'm, yeah, I'm just so excited. So let's kick it off. Uh, the sermon is called The Greatest Treasure, The Greatest Treasure. And uh, the tension question I have for you today that I would want you to consider is, why should you consider, or why should you treasure the kingdom of heaven? Why should you treasure the kingdom of heaven? Now, for some of you, you kind of understand what that means. For others of you, you have no idea what that means, and that's okay, and we're going to get down and break that down. But I wanted to start with the word treasure. I did some Bible study, uh, looked up what is to treasure in the Greek. It means thesoriso, to gather up, lay up, to heap up, to store up, to get more, to accumulate riches. Now, for most of us, we're not Scrooge McDuck diving into a bunch of gold. Uh, so I thought I'd want to see it this way. Another way to think about treasuring, what do I think about? What do I care about? What am I impacted by? What do I prioritize? Where do I invest my time? What do I run through to hap for happiness? I want you to think about that. But why does this matter? We all treasure something. No one's off the hook this morning. It's relevant for everybody. We all treasure something. But if you think about it, there are practical and emotional consequences to treasuring the wrong thing. Practical and emotional consequences to treasuring the wrong thing. So let's break it down. Let's start with practical. And I have three stories, three things in my life that I want to share with you. Uh, let's just address the elephant in the room, uh, my Seattle Seahawks. I know many of you are 49er fans. Uh, someone say bad treasure. Bad treasure. The Seahawks are bad treasure. That was horrible. That was horrible. And so there are three things with consequences to uh, treasuring the wrong thing. One, I'm not going to get those three hours back. That was, oh man, that was horrible. Uh, two, no margin. We make time. Football takes four hours in a day to watch. And before I got saved, I actually, I told Pastor, hey man, 17 weeks out of the year, I can't even come to church. I can't, I can't make time for that. I, don't, I have to watch football. Sunday is my thing. Um, I had no margin. And talk about missed opportunities. Uh, you know, when I'm watching football, when, I'm, and then when inevitably my team loses, I don't want to go out. I don't want to hang out with people. 
missed opportunities. But maybe some of you don't relate to that. You're not a sports fan. You don't get riled up like I do. Let's talk about work. <laughs> Bay Area culture, hustle culture, let's go. Get the bag. As a kid say, I'm old now. Um, <laughs> get the bag. You know, when I first started out with my job, I was like, man, if I could just make $50,000 a year, I'd be so happy. So happy. Guess what? I actually got $50,000 a year. But I was like, you know what? If I could just make $60,000 a year, I'd be happy. 75. And just kept going and going. And yet, it wasn't enough. But what are the practical consequences to working too much or treasuring work too much or treasuring money too much? Man, I, I remember staying late at work. Not because I had work to do, but because I didn't want my boss to think I was slacking, but my boss was a workaholic. So they would stay till t 10 o'clock at night, and I'm just sitting there twiddling my thumbs, wasting time. I wanted to get that promotion. And then no margin. I had no margin because I was working all the time. I made more money. I got that promotion. What does that $10,000 extra do for me? I'm so burnt out. I got to go on a vacation just for that $10,000. And the missed opportunities. You're just working all the time. Is that, is that life? Is there more? Okay, this one's a little personal. Uh, let's talk about relationships. Uh, praise the Lord. He finally answered my prayer and gave me a wonderful wife, okay? Uh, and I cleared this with her first, but I want to share with you, before Kat, uh, I was King Thirsty. I didn't know I was King Thirsty, but I was King Thirsty. MJ actually said she didn't want to join my small group because I was King Thirsty. Everyone in my group was King Thirsty, and just the desire to have validation from women. The desire to say, man, you should let me love you. Let me. Man, there was, there was, man, I won't, bad singing, but there's, there's a, if you actually listen to some of the lyrics, now, you got it bad when you're oh, it's in the house, you don't want to have fun. And that was me. That was me. I was so wasted time. Oh, my gosh. Can you just singles? I'm warning you. The wrong person. Treasuring the wrong person is horrible. Horrible. If they don't love you, if they're not going to have a godly relationship with you, don't waste your time. Don't waste your money. And then you have no margin because, hey, I can't go out. I didn't even hang out with my friends when, when with these certain women in the past that I would pursue. <laughs> no margin. Oh, I got to go shopping. Like, why am I going shopping with someone that doesn't love me? Come on, fellas. <laughs> Missed opportunities. But if we're honest, there's actually emotional consequences. There might be even worse. Let's go back to the Seahawks. Oh... I don't know if I can even watch football anymore. 
No, seriously, I wait to find the score, and then I watch highlights if we win, and if we lose, I'm just, nope, not going to look at that, nope. It's stressful, and it was, used to be even worse. <laughs> Ed met me, oh man, it was so bad. I used to go into the basement and scream and throw stuff, and it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing, but I treasured the Seahawks. I treasured them, so lots of stress, uh, and then ultimately emptiness. We're not even a team. We didn't even, we weren't even on the same playing field there. But so then I feel empty. Like if the thing that I treasure doesn't out ultimately fulfill me, I'm feeling empty. And then loneliness, even with my dad, like we're, we're, we're my dad and I are like best buds. And, uh, but when the Seahawks lose, I don't want to talk to him. <laughs> uh, he don't want to talk to me. We're lonely. Okay, let's, t- let's talk about work again. You, you, I think most of you can relate. Stress, working too hard. I have to impress my boss. I have to meet this deadline. I have to make this promotion. You don't understand. And then guess what? I worked so hard and someone else took the credit. I didn't get the promotion. How many nights did I sacrifice for that? That's probably happened to you. I know I've heard from some of you emptiness. You feel like you're running a rat race. What is the purpose? You're up at midnight working on those spreadsheets, being an Excel monkey. (laughs) What is the purpose? And then, yeah, loneliness. Some of you have families to go home to, but you can't because you're working and you're working and you're working. Relationships. It's not worth the stress. I, told, I talked about it earlier. It's not worth the stress. And when, when someone, you're trying to love somebody that doesn't love you back, you do feel empty. You do feel lonely. And it's painful. And so there are consequences. I want you to think about consequences. But maybe some of the examples I used are not relevant. What is it for you? Politics. More stuff. Possessions. Black Friday, knowledge, vacations, experiences. Pastor AJ preached about comfort and control. I think this is a deep one. Prioritize comfort. I will pay money so I can, don't have to deal with it. Take my money. I just don't want to deal with it. Control. It has to be control. What are you storing up? All of these things. What are you storing up? But I'm thankful that the Bible helps us out. The Bible helps us out. So we're going to be in Luke 12, 16 through 21, and 29 through 34. Uh, And before I read God's word, uh, just to give you some context, this is Jesus giving the parable of the rich fool. He's talking uh, about a warning And would you actually stand with me uh, for the reading of God's word? Okay, let's go. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns 
and build larger ones. And there I will store my, all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Okay. So grateful the Bible speaks into some of our issues. (laughs) We can go to the word of God. Uh, Here's my outline today. I have a danger, a distortion, and a decision. That, I, that the text, I feel, revealed to me a danger, a distortion, and a decision. I've always wanted to say this. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Oh, that's, that feels good. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, here we go. The danger. Man, when I was reading this text, you know when someone's having like, like a serious talk with you? You know, a football coach is like, hey, take a knee. Or your dad's like, son, listen up. This is this passage. And the thing that stood out to me was this verse. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I've heard that verse many times. I'm sure you have too. Where your treasure is, your heart will be. I don't, what does that mean? So, did some more Bible study. Uh, And I came to this definition of the heart. The heart is the driver's seat, command center of your soul. Even think physically, right? Your heart, all the blood is pumping all to all the other organs of your body. The heart is the driver's seat, command center of your soul. So I put those two things together. And... This is what I came up with. Your treasure will drive your life. Someone say important. Important. (laughs) Your treasure will drive your life. This is not something that uh, we should take lightly. Your treasure will drive your life. Let's go back into the text. Let's look at what the rich fool did. He said... What shall I do? I have so much. I will tear down my barns. I will build larger ones. I will store all my grain. The next slide. So I'll be merry. But God said, fool, you missed it. You missed it. And it says, you are not rich towards God. So here are my three observations. The wrong treasure produces the wrong work. 
The wrong treasure produces the wrong work. This guy, I'm sure, I don't know what it is like to tear down a barn and build it back up. I'm not really handy. That's my wife. She's, she's good at that. Um, but I imagine it's a lot of work. And so if you're doing, you're treasuring the wrong thing, and you're putting all your work in it, all your sweat, but man, what if you missed it? What a waste. Uh, number two, he's very self-centered. He said, what do I do? Me, my stuff. And then God called him a fool. Pity the fool. Missed the opportunity. He missed the opportunity. So here's the implication that came out from this. We should be careful what we treasure because it will drive your life. Be careful what you treasure because it will drive your life. I have a reflection question for you. What is my treasure? Where is it driving me? Where are we going? Where is it leading me? Am I stressed? Am I anxious? Do I have no time? Take some time to reflect on this. It's important. Okay. Let's move on to distortion. A distortion. Distortion of a role. Before we understand what to treasure, we have to understand ourselves and God. I'm a big proponent of identity. Then God has taught me identity helps you define reality. If you don't know who you are, you don't know how to act. You don't know what to do, right? And if you don't know who God is, you might be playing the wrong game. Identity. So, next slide. We're going to go fast through the text, but I want you to focus on two colors. The blue is God's characteristics, who God is. The yellow is us. All right, so he, the land produced plentifully. It didn't say the man produced plentifully. The land did. God is a provider. Look at all these eyes. Shall, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to go. I will do this. I will tear my barns down. My barns. I will store my grain, my goods. Next slide. I will say to my soul, God calls us a fool. For not rich towards God. Next slide. Look at this blue. Do not seek. God's a teacher. Nor be worried. Did you know the most repeated phrase in the Bible is do not fear, do not worry? Do not worry. Do not worry. There's a blue. Your father. He calls himself our father. It's his kingdom. And these things will be added to you. See, it says, your father knows you need these things. He's empathetic. And then parking on this, fear not, little flock. <laughs> fear not. So we're scared. And he calls us little flock. A flock of sheep. He calls us sheep. Sheep are not the most intelligent creatures. Sheep are big and are fluffy and cute. But wolves like to eat sheep. That's us. But he calls us little 
sheep. Little sheep. Your father's good pleasure to give you. God is generous. Next slide. He talks about money bags that do not grow old, does not fail, no thief approaches, no moth destroys. God is eternal. He doesn't grow old. God is faithful. He doesn't fail. God is victorious. No thief can approach. No moth destroys. He's eternal. So next slide, AJ is going to like this. I have a slide, uh, a little graph for you. Now, I don't have time to go on into the Bible. Man, this passage is so rich. So you have to go back. You have to go back and look at these things. But I did it for you. Here are some characteristics of God, and here are some characteristics of us. God is all-knowing. God is generous. God is a provider. God is faithful. God is empathetic. God is a teacher, a shepherd. God is our Father. Let's look at us. We're foolish. We're prideful. We're excessive, anxious, faithless, selfish, vulnerable, little children. Now, some of you might be like, no, that's not me. Well, then you're prideful. <laughs> and if you're honest, I'm not saying you always are these things. I, I, I have to look at myself, and I see myself a lot in these things. And if you're honest with yourself, I think you might see some of these characteristics in yourself, if you're honest. Here are my observations. We make a bad God. <laughs> if you had to trust option A or option B, God or us, if, if I'd even took God and us off of those uh, titles, and you had to trust someone with an important decision, I think the obvious answer is that A, the characteristics of A, God, are one we should trust. So observation, we make a bad God. The other observation, God is good. What's the implication? Don't rely on yourself alone. Be careful. I'm not saying that you can't make any decisions by yourself, but in humility, would you consider maybe, just maybe, you might not always have it. Maybe, just maybe, you're a little bit more sinful than you like to admit. I know I've, I don't like to admit it. But you should trust God. And some of you don't know God yet, but as you get to know him, he proves himself faithful. As you get to know him, his characteristics get more beautiful. And so... What's a reflection question? Do you trust God on what you should treasure? Do you trust him? Are you saying, I got it? Trust me, I don't, I don't like, <laughs> in my pride, I'm like, I got it. But as I slow down and reflect, I realize maybe I don't. So, next slide. To this point, very simply, I want you to have, be considering what I treasure matters 
right? This is not something, again, that we can just la-da-da-da-da, wee, YOLO. Everything's going to be fine. What you treasure matters. And number two, God knows better. Okay? So let's move on to the decision. The question is, what does God want me to treasure? And so in this verse, verses, he says, instead seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. Previous verse said, do not seek what you want eat, what you will wear, do not worry. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It is a gift. It is a gift. Stop trying to do it your way and receive a gift. And it's a beautiful gift. Now, next slide. I, <laughs> I had to get Pastor Ed's help because I was like, the kingdom of God? How am I going to explain the kingdom of God? This is a big topic. We don't have 14 hours for me to try to explain this. So we reached out and Googled our good buddy, John, good buddy, John Piper. John Piper says this about the kingdom of God. I think we can treat the kingdom of God here almost synonymously with salvation or with reconciliation with God through the work of Christ. Because the kingdom of God is the rule of God to save us. And to save us is to bring us from destruction and into enjoyment of Christ forever. Thank you, John. So let's break it down this way. To be given the kingdom is to be given a reconciliation with God. To be given the kingdom is to be given a reconciliation with God. But, so what are the components to reconciliation? I want you to imagine yourself, you most likely have a relationship that you, uh, that was fractured. Something happened. Probably uh, something bad. You don't talk to this person anymore. So two components. One, a repentant person. Repentance, what does that mean? Just that you're sorry, that you're sober judgment that you acknowledge what you did. You're ready to make amends, that you want to come back. But sometimes the infraction is really bad. So the person that needs to forgive you needs to be strong enough to forgive you. And in this, this case with God, God is a forgiving and able savior. So, next slide. All right. If you are asleep at this point, please wake up. This is the most important part of the sermon. Um, and I want us to kind of lean in. Two audiences here in this room. One, the unbeliever seeker. You don't yet place your faith in Jesus. And then believer. Let's not gloss over and say, oh, I've heard this before. And so these are two audiences that I want you to pay attention. Now, we're going to do, we're going to slow down here. Next slide, we're going to do a pride check. Thanksgiving has given us plenty of opportunity. I'm sure all of you have a crazy aunt or uncle. And that person drives you nuts. 
Um, so I want you to think about them. And maybe you're even super frustrated with this person. This person always thinks they're right. You can't get through. They, and their fly is open and they won't listen. Uncle, that's you. Dude. And he won't listen. But here's the thing I want you to consider. You're just like that. I'm just like that. It's not easy. And if you're fighting back in this moment and saying, I'm not prideful. I am not prideful. I'm so humble. Okay, maybe you should slow down and consider. And, and so I pray in this moment that your hearts would be open. Can you just pause yourself as you, we go through these two illustrations that you would humble yourself, that you would consider, that you would say, again, reminder, what I treasure matters, and God knows better. Let me just open my heart to that. All right. Another uh, illustration here for you. It's called the three circles. This is the gospel. The gospel is good news. Not good advice, good news. So, we're starting over here in the heart, God's plan. And we've, the passage has kind of revealed to us some of the characteristics of God. Some of you don't know him yet, but he's good. He created the heavens and the earth. He created the birds. He created the sea, the stars and the oceans. He created Adam and Eve. He created Eden. God had good plans for us, plans to prosper us. It's generous. He doesn't have to do this. He doesn't need us but he creates us and he has a perfect plan for thriving. Well, maybe, maybe you don't know him yet and maybe you're like, okay, that's, that's hard for me to relate to. But Adam and Eve had a choice. See, true love requires free will. God can just force us to worship him. He could, he's powerful, he can do whatever he wants. But why does he not do that? Right? True love is when someone says, I want to love you back, right? Let's talk about sin. What is sin? <laughs> it's funny how you reflect back on your life. I remember when I was like five years old, my dad wanted me to fold some laundry, and I refused. And I said, no, that's dumb. I'm not going to do that. And so I said, I'm going to get my can of Coke and my teddy bear, get my backpack, and I'm out of here. <laughs> and I made it to the front steps before I came to the end of myself and realized, what am I going to do for food? <laughs> I'm five. I don't know what I'm doing. But there was something in me, something sinful. I wanted to do it my way. What does dad know anyways? <laughs> right? That's sin. And we all have good motivations. We don't mean to be bad people. But sin is not doing God's way. God is the way, the truth, and the life. He has given us a direct plan of what is good and what is bad. But you're not 
that different from all of us. We're all the same. We want to do it our way. That's what sin is. Now, what are the consequences of sin? When we do things our way, it deviates, and there's brokenness. And this part is hard, and I'm going to slow down here because, and you'll understand in a second, and if you're honest with yourself and if you look at the world and you look at your own life, there is brokenness. Pastor Ryan was telling me his story, how he got saved. A lady came to him and said, how are you doing really? No, no, no. How are you doing really? Put Netflix down. How are you doing really? How's that trauma that you don't want to talk about? How's that relationship that's not exactly the the way you want it? How's the shame you're dealing with? And this brokenness is so sad. But it's real. We can't... Love is both truth and grace. I wish I could tell you that says everything is awesome and you don't have to do anything and God loves you and he'll take care of everything. And he, he will, we'll get to that. That's the good news. But you don't understand the good news until you understand the bad news. And for the unbeliever, I want you to lean in. And same with the believer. You have to, this should not grow old to you. Brokenness. The world. We look at the turn on the news. It's broken. Pain. Evil. So what do we do? We're, like, we're broken. And here's, here's the other. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. I think whether you believe in Jesus yet or not, we can all agree we're all going to die at some point. We're going to die. It's, it's the rich fool, he ran out of time. And that's real. But... Again, God loves us so much that he, again, he will not force us. He gives us free will. And so the problem is God is also a God of justice. There has to be a payment of this brokenness and this sin. And it's easy for us to say, well, yeah, Hitler's going to hell, so I'm not Hitler. Most of us are not Hitler, I think, right? But the problem is the standard is not comparing to somebody else. The standard is comparing to a holy God that's perfect. Perfect. And the law tells us where we fall short. And if I have you where I want you right here, this is like a bummer. This this sucks. I don't want to be separated from God. I don't want to be stuck in my sin. I don't want to be in a marriage that is painful. Okay, there's good news. (laughs) There's good news. See, God is all-knowing. God knows better than us. And so he sent his son, Jesus. He sent his son, Jesus, to make a way for us to go back 
in relation. What did I say? Reconciliation with God. The kingdom is reconciliation with God, to get back to God. So he lived the perfect life that we could never live, died the death that we deserve for us. Sounds pretty awesome. This guy's awesome. He died for us. We don't deserve it. And guess what? He doesn't even say, hey, get some stuff together. Clean yourself up. Stop doing that. Clean yourself up. Then I'll love you. He says, I'm going to love you first. I'm going to die for you first. And when he dies for you and he loves you first, that's the power, the gospel fuel to be restored, to get to back to God. We have to turn and believe. Repent is a fancy church word, but it basically means turn. We hear the phrase, repent for the kingdom is at hand. Repent for the kingdom. And people are like, what is that? It means turn. Pay attention. If I was like this, right, and someone's giving out free donuts, (laughs) and I don't turn, I'm not going to get that donut. So turn, believe that there's a donut too. <laughs> and this, this gospel is not just a one-time thing. I mean, so we get back, and we get back with God. We get back with God, and everything's better. Relationships are better. Your shame, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. How many of you are struggling with shame right now? There's no, no, not a little bit, No. We get back with God, and it's beautiful. And then guess what? Because the foundation is grace, not works righteousness, not because I can do things better, not because I can fix my brokenness. If I sin, I have freedom to come back into grace. But here's what happens when we do it on our own way. If I get it right, if I read my Bible, I'm prideful. If I fail, I'm shameful. That's not the gospel. The gospel is good news that Jesus made a way for us to be back with God. And this is the beautiful thing. Jesus is the most beautiful thing. The person of Jesus Christ, next slide, is the greatest treasure. The person of Jesus Christ is the greatest treasure. I said in the huddle this morning, we, we can sometimes get cerebral with it, The person of Jesus Christ is the greatest treasure. He loves you. He loves you and your sin. He loves you and your brokenness. He is come to save you. Reflection question. Are you ready to receive this good news? Are you ready to stop doing it in your own strength? Are you ready to say, hey, Jesus, take the wheel. That's where the, just take it. You know better. So I challenge you, if you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life, that's the good news. You don't have to earn it. It's a gift. You have to open, the, you have to receive the gift, though. All right, next, last uh, illustration. This is something that uh, believers, I want you to lean in on. Pastor Scott at Resonate has been really helping me just zoom into the gospel. 
And he showed me this uh, illustration that I was like, ugh, convicted. The top line is our experience of God's love. And the bottom line is our awareness of our sin and our neediness. And so I think what has happened to me, I have to repent. I have a baby cross. It's a cross. It's cool. And at one point, it was so big and it was so beautiful. But what happened over time was I started getting prideful. I started to say, I'm not that bad. Look at me, I go to church. Look at me, I'm a pastor. And the Lord just convicted me, man, modern day Pharisee, you could be a pastor. You're so focused on what other people are doing, you don't realize that you are actually a tax collector. Needy, broken. And so our challenge here is go deeper. Pastor Ed said, go, go lower in one of his sermons. Go lower. <laughs> because, and this is why I spent so much time on the, the bad news and the brokenness. We have to meditate. We have to define reality, but we also have to meditate on how deep and bad it is and how needy we are. Because then we appreciate God's love that comes over the top. If I gave you a life vest right now, you'd be like, weird jacket, bro. (laughs) But if you were drowning, you were treading water for four hours and you were about to drown, that jacket is one of the most beautiful things. And so, believer, return back to the cross. God, God, you can't out-sin God's love. And some of us, some of us are, are here. We're like, God has forgiven me of X. You won't forgive me of that. And until you surrender that, you won't get the big cross. And some of you are prideful, like me, and say, I'm pretty good. My sin doesn't, I'm not sinning that bad. Your cross is going to remain a baby cross too. So the opportunity is to lean in to see, magnify that Jesus is so beautiful. Reflection question as we close. How are you enjoying your relationship with God? I didn't say go to church necessarily. I didn't say read your Bible necessarily. How are you enjoying God? Enjoy him. All right. Sorry, one more picture. <laughs> I don't have TikTok, but I saw this uh, somewhere. Uh, this is us. That's $10,000 right there. The scale is not even close to God, but we choose the Oreo. That's what we do. We choose the Oreo over and over and over again. And so just, just a reminder to slow down, to repent, to go back and uh, acknowledge that God is better. All right. What's the takeaway? Nothing else.
compares to a relationship with God. Nothing else. And I think some of you might be thinking, well, some of the things I treasure aren't that bad. Like, and I would say, the verse says, first seek the kingdom of God. Then all these other things will be added to you. There's an order. God, God gets first fruits. Not just because he deserves it, because it's the best thing for you. Right? It's so much better when God gives you the promotion that you know you had nothing to do with. When your relationship is healed and you're like, I, I didn't do that. It's more beautiful. Nothing else compares to a relationship with God. All right, final to do. For the unbeliever, seeker, repent and believe. <laughs> it's a gift. Repent and believe. And for the believer, treasure Jesus. You don't eat flame and yawn and just shove it down your mouth. Treasure it. Marinate on it. He's beautiful. He's beautiful. All right, let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you are good. I thank you that we are needy and you are worthy. I thank you, Lord, that you you love us so much. I thank you that when we're broken and we're sinful and we don't understand things, you reveal yourself. What an awesome God. You reveal yourself. You provide for us. You defend us. You protect us. You love us. You made a way with your son Jesus so that we could be back in reconciliation with you now and forever. You defeated death, hell, and the grave for us. What a beautiful Savior. So, Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would be magnified in our hearts, whoever we are, that we would enjoy grace. We would enjoy you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.